Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth for Your Twenties podcast with your host, Katie Bulmer, my mom. Enjoy listening. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Before we dive into the podcast, I always love to read a review from you. So I just pull up my phone and I check out the reviews. And this is the most recent review from Meg. She says, as a recent college graduate that has made a big move out into the real world, Katie's podcast has been so encouraging from my spiritual walk and otherwise. This is a podcast I love to start my mornings off with or to go on a light walk. Katie has walked through a lot of life and has so much wisdom and lots of love to share as a result. Most of all, she is radiant in and through the Lord, and I inspire to learn more and more from her. Highly recommend. Meg, your words are so just impactful. I appreciate these kind words, and I appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. It helps podcasts grow so much. And if you listening to this podcast have not yet left a review, hit pause real quick. It will take approximately one minute to leave a review. And who knows, maybe I get to read your sweet words next week on the podcast. Hey friends, we are in the month of relational wellness and relational wellness, of course, has a lot to do with dating. But when I asked you guys what you wanted to hear more of, you said you wanted to hear more on friendships. So I'm so excited to introduce to you today, Shasta Nelson. She is the first person that came to mind when I thought of someone who can talk to this space on friendships. She's actually written two books on the subject, and she's going to just unpack all things friendships. I'm so excited to have her on today, all the way from the West Coast. Welcome, Shasta Nelson. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And I love, love, love hearing that they're more interested in friendships. That's so good. We've been kind of obsessed with romantic relationships for a long time and not given as much love to all of our friends as we should be. (laughs) Yes, yes. And our friends need some love. So for sure, I'm glad that you can just kind of help walk us through all the things. (laughs) Absolutely. Everything. Anything. um, Just kind of who you are. Wow, uh, that's a broad question. <laughs> I am somebody who's just been studying relationships my entire life. In my first career, I'm actually a trained pastor, which is uh, seems like so long ago now, but I have my Master's of Divinity and uh, pastored several congregations. And I think it was in that space, Katie, that I just finally got to the place where um, I can look backwards and see that what brought me into that space was the idea of like, that's where community happened so often for me in my life. And it was like the place where we come together. It was like the place where you felt like there were people there for you. It was where I did a lot of small group training and a lot of uh, community facilitating and marriage counseling and all that kind of stuff. And then I felt really, um, I mean, kind of using that language back then, I I felt kind of called to uh, help create community outside of us all having to believe a similar thing or, or line up on a spiritual issue the same way. And I have ever since then, for the last 10 years or so, I've been um, just kind of out there rather writing books and speaking and teaching for uh, how to build relationships. And I really believe that our personal growth comes from this. Uh, The research backs up how important this is for our physical health, for our mental health, for our happiness. I mean, to me, (laughs) other than kind of like our own personal, emotional uh, intelligence and health, I think that, and and I think that's linked to our relational health too. To me, this is like the most important issue to be talking about and for all of us to be practicing. So I love doing this. So I do retreats and trips and all that stuff. Yeah. Everything friendship, everything relationship. And you've developed so many good resources on it. You have two books on friendship. Is that right? Yes. And I just finished writing my third one. It comes out this summer and that one is on workplace friendship. So why we need friends at work. But yeah, my first two 
Uh, friendships don't just happen is more about making friends as an adult. It's really great for like out of college or moving to a new area or kind of that feeling where we need to meet more people. And then friendtimacy is uh, the coined word for friendship intimacy. And that one's how to deepen friendships for lifelong health and happiness. And that one is more about uh, deeper friendships, how a lot of us know enough people, but actually need to build more intimacy in those relationships. I love that. I actually just had coffee with a college student who has been in Chattanooga for about eight months. And, you know, it's hard when you move to a new city. I always tell people when you move to college, like the red carpet is rolled out for you to meet friends. You know, you join clubs, you're part of this freshman organization or whatever, and it's natural to meet people. But in the real world, you know, we just got to figure it out. So that uh, the first book that you mentioned, that sounds perfect for the girl, you know, kind of a young girl in a new city trying to meet friends. Yes. And that's, you know, it's really should come as a calming effect to all of us to just realize this is a, this is not a personal issue that there's something wrong with any of us or that, you know, it's, it's simply the way our world is set up and it's, it's not set up right now where it's easy to consistently see the same people over and over. Um, You know, we, the top four ways we make friends, uh, the top three of them have to do with uh, when we're like childhood, high school and, and college. And so once you're past those three, things. Uh, the number four way of making new friends is work. And that's why I'm kind of writing this next book. But that's because that's really one of the few places in life where we still have that consistency, where we're still seeing the same people over and over and over. Um, and that's not always the most conducive place for so many of us, but it just goes to show um, it's not because we work with people that we think are like, you know, if we put them in a lineup against 20 other people that we would pick these people to be friends with necessarily, yeah. but it's because we saw them more often than we were seeing anybody else. And it just goes, yeah, our culture and our society, we're not really set up for orienting ourselves to relationships. So it'd be to be gentle on all of ourselves, like more of us are looking for friends, more of us feel lonely. 70% of us wish we had more fulfilling friendships. You know, uh, really, it's, it's a big, big issue that's affecting most of us. Oh, my gosh, that's so good. So how, what brought you to the subject of friendship and, you know, so much study about around it? Yeah, well, I, as I was saying, I feel like relationships have always been something I've been really passionate about. And when I was, I was kind of in a like some coaching and counseling situations back in the day, and I kept asking people, you know, who's supporting you through whatever it is they were going through at the time, and it was just kind of caught me off guard how many people. Uh, responded with like, well, I've just moved to a new city a couple months ago and I don't really feel like I know anybody close enough to be, you know, supporting me through this or, well, I just went through a big breakup and all my friends are kind of, you know, with that person or we lost them in the breakup or, you know, or, well, most of my friends have gotten married and had babies now. And I mean, it was just kind of like this very consistent thread among so many amazing, amazing uh, women, especially who were just uh, identifying that they didn't really feel that close to anybody. And at the time, I wasn't necessarily like, that wasn't my thing that I was trying to work on with them. They were always calling me about something else, about career or about romance. And um, yeah, I just kind of started knowing, noticing this theme that very few people were feeling that supported and that known and close enough to enough people to to feel uh, yeah, connected. And it was kind of in that space that I started being like, wow, we've got to do something different <laughs> to yeah. start uh, to start making, yeah, this is a bigger issue than just one or two of us. Like this is big and this matters in a huge, 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 huge way. It affects everything. And I think it just kind of, I notice how obsessed we get with, as I mentioned earlier, like the romantic relationships and the parent-child relationships. And yet when you look at the science, it's actually our friendships and all the other relationships that end up impacting our health and our happiness uh, and our emotional health more than those other relationships. So um, I just kind of was, I felt like a, I felt like I was out in the wilderness being like, you guys look over here. Like, don't forget about all the friendships. Don't get so caught yeah. up in dating. Don't get so caught up in like, you know, think your career matters more. Like this is the stuff that matters to our health and our happiness. And it just kind of like for a while there, I felt like I was just like needing to sound that alarm so that we didn't lose sight of what really helps us feel known and supported in this world. Oh, this is so good. Well, Shasta, you don't know this part, but when we had first moved up here to Chattanooga, 
as anyone, I guess, moves, at least from my experience, it's lonely at the beginning. And um, I heard, first heard you on the Gin Hat Maker podcast, and it was such a timely message for me because I had moved from a small town where, you know, we knew everyone. You, you, every time you went to the grocery store, you couldn't help but see two or three people you know. Hmm. And I would have told you I had a million friends. Hmm. But moving up here, I realized how surface level many of those friendships were because, you know, I just saw them on a regular basis, like you mm-hmm, said. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you mentioned there's different levels of friendships. And I want, want to ask you about that in a second. But what I didn't realize is, you know, moving up here, the first person you meet, you don't want to like cry on their shoulder and tell them how lonely you are. <laughs> but then those, what I didn't realize, pretty surface level friendships, you know, they, they were kind people and I'm, I'm sure they miss me, but they, they're doing their own thing and, they, and they're not worried that I'm up here lonely. You know what I mean? And so mm, when totally. I call them to cry my eyeballs out, they're like, yeah, well, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but what, what do you want me to do? I'm five hours away. So uh, anyway, I, I just was so timely for me to understand this level of friendships and what I've committed to do in our new chapter of life here is have to fewer but deeper friendships. So can you kind of unpack those levels of friendship and help us understand that better? Yeah, and there's so many ways we can look at this. Um, but in in what you're referring to, maybe it was, maybe it makes sense even one step before that to um, talk about like what is a friendship, because then I can maybe unpack that to the different yeah. levels a little bit. And before I even say that, I should just say yes, it is so hard when we move to a new area, and we all get that experience so 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 very much, and it is incredibly lonely. And and even the, even if we did have really 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 great friendships where we left. Um, most of them, we can't stay in touch with all of them and we, unless we want to be on the phone all the time, right? So there is going to be a, a big drop-off in the level of intimacy we have with people. And um, yeah, so it's that's the hard part. In fact, uh, science is showing we are replacing half our close friends every seven years. Wow. So uh, if you think about it, if you just kind of pause and think, who am I confiding in like right now? Who would I say are my closest friends? And um, and chances are, you know, so if you kind of think of three to five people that you feel the closest to or something, chances are high that you don't even know two or three of them, you know, seven years ago, or there are different people that you would have picked seven years ago. And chances are just as high that seven years from now will be a a, a little bit more some shift in there. So some people might be the same ones that we're in touch with, but half our friends we're replacing. So it does give a a little invitation (laughs) to all of us to like, yeah, keep making friends and uh, don't take personally and get too hurt by the fact that there is an ebb and a flow in our relationships. So yeah, what you experience is we, we get it, Katie. It's so hard. Even those, even those of us who are like, consider ourselves good at making friends, it just takes a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. We yes. told you, oh, I'm friendly. It'll be fine that we move and we move. And I'm like, I'm so lonely. <laughs> it is. I know. That's how I opened my book. Friendships don't just happen. It's very similar. I was like, and it's, you know, it's one thing a couple months down the road where you can start saying, okay, I've got some people I can do stuff with, or I know people, but to actually get to the place where you have people that are as close to you and as say your go-to people that could almost rank as the same or higher than the people that used to be your best friend, you know, kind of like that mm-hmm. takes a long, long time for most of us. It's a, uh, takes a lot of time. For sure. Uh, man, this good. I, my brain is going so many different directions. So let me come back to the yeah, definition okay. of friendship. <laughs> yeah. Let's define friendship. <laughs> so, um, so a, a friendship is any relationship where any two people both feel seen in a safe and satisfying way. And so we are looking, when we measure a relationship, we're measuring three things to determine how much these two people practice these three behaviors of friendship to uh, meet that definition. So in order for us to both feel seen, there has to be vulnerability on both sides. Vulnerability is how we get to know each other. It's the sharing of our stories. It's just basically getting a better feel for each other. It's where we feel like she gets me. Um, And so that happens over time when we reveal ourselves incrementally. So vulnerability is how we're both seen. If I'm not, if you're not asking me questions, if I'm not sharing myself, it doesn't matter how much of a good time we have, I won't ultimately feel seen by you and vice versa. Then it has to feel safe. We don't want to just be walking around being vulnerable and being seen. It needs to feel safe and it feels safe when there's consistency. So the second requirement of friendship, uh, the first one is vulnerability. The second one is consistency. So consistency, I was referencing earlier, that's what happens when when we go to work with each other, when we're in college with each other, when we're roommates, there's this time that we're 
together. Consistent time, uh, our interaction is frequent. It's regular that we're seeing each other. We feel like there's a pattern to our relationship. The more pattern we have, whether that pattern is texting each other every day or checking or calling each other once a month or getting together every week for brunch, like whatever that pattern to that friendship is, uh, we feel safest in that relationship when there is a pattern, when there is a a track record, when there's uh, interaction. And that is what kind of builds trust, honestly. So that's where we start having consistent behavior. When when we spend consistent time together, we start feeling like we can predict how you'll respond, which leaves us feeling safer. So um, the second requirement of all relationships is consistency. Uh, If we only meet once and have a good time, it's not a friendship. We have to repeat it over and over and over and over and over to build that friendship. So then if we want to feel seen, we're vulnerable. If we want to feel safe, it's consistency. And if we want it to feel satisfying, then it needs to have positivity. And positivity is not about only talking about positive things. It's not about being Pollyanna. It's not about not complaining or whining or venting, but it is about making sure that we both leave our interaction feeling better about who we are and about our lives. And so if we are getting together and um, feeling judged for anything, uh, we're going to be less likely to want to keep repeating that experience. Or um, if we get together and feel like we're just venting the whole time and complaining, but we go home and we're both kind of weary and exhausted, that doesn't feel good. So what we want science is showing us that we want to have at least five good feelings for every negative feeling. So every relationship is going to have its stressors. You're not always going to react the way I want you to and vice versa. And we're going to certainly annoy each other and not live up to each other's expectations all the time. But what we're going for in a friendship is we want it to feel rewarding. Like it does need to feel good. These are relationships we're choosing. We want to be in, we want to enjoy them and we want to feel, um, we want to feel like you love us. And so whether that's through laughter, through empathy, through gratitude, through words of affirmation, through hugs, through thoughtful gestures, through um, validating my feelings, through you know any of those things, anything that leaves us feeling good is an act of positivity. So in a nutshell, we are every friendship can be evaluated by how much positivity is present, how much consistency is present, and how much of vulnerability is present. And everything else that we think is friendship is an example of one of those three things. Uh, Like when we say, I need somebody else who um, likes camping or something. No, you don't need somebody else who likes camping. You That's just how you enjoy pot, That's how you enjoy spending your time. So that's an act of consistency that you prefer, but that's not something you have to have in order to bond. Or if we say, um, I have to have somebody who's like this, um, everything else is like an illustration of one of these three things or an outcome of these three things. But those are the three things at the end of the day, when we look at all the science that what measures for healthy relationship, what bonds two people together, what makes for a healthy team, what makes for a healthy marriage, these are the three things that um, are present in all of those studies. Oh man, that's so good. And in the healthy friendships, those are all there. Of course, we're not checking the box, but those are all there. When you think about your healthiest friendships, yep, they, you know, there's vulnerability, there's consistency, and I feel good after I'm done hanging out with them. Exactly. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee all of us that you have never built a healthy relationship without these three things present. And conversely, any relationship in any of our lives right now that's not feeling as fulfilling as we want it to feel, it's because at least one of these three things is in lack. So you can look and say, oh yeah, I, every time I talk to her, I love it. Like the vulnerability's there. I, we both are really honest and it always feels good. But oh yeah, I only see her every three months. So that's yeah. the consistency's lacking. Or we can say, you know, oh yeah, we've, we're so... We are so consistent and it feels so good. Like we get together every month for book club or every week for girls night or all the like, and we have all these things that feel, but that's a social life if it's just consistency and positivity, but it lacks vulnerability where we actually feel like we're going deeper and being more known. And so you can start looking at any relationship that you wish were something a little bit more and you can probably start kind of identifying like, yeah, that relationship needs more vulnerability. (laughs) That one needs more consistency. That one needs more positivity. Oh man, that's so good. It's just kind of like a scale you know, to, to realize how deep a friendship is. And again, we don't like check these boxes, but it's true. Like these are what defines a good friendship. That's, that's really good stuff. Yeah. And there's a, I do have a free quiz if it's helpful um, on, on ShastaNelson.com that the top, there's a link there for a free friendimacy quiz. Um, And I think it's also on girlfriendcircles.com, but yeah, it's a friendimacy quiz and people can 
You can answer 10 questions in each of those three areas, and it will give you a score in each of those three areas so that you can kind of assess which of the three uh, would be the area for you that if you were to practice raising and being more intentional in your friendships would make the biggest difference in your friendships, if that's helpful to anybody. Absolutely. We'll link that for you guys so you can find it. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's so important. So then when you're asking about, you know, the different levels of relationship, then absolutely, um, in a nutshell, and we can go more deep on this if you want, but in a nutshell, you can quickly see, um, so I teach all three of these things on a triangle, and the bottom of the triangle is positivity. So all friendships start in the bottom of the triangle, and some of them, as they increase in consistency, which is the left arm of the triangle, and increase in vulnerability, which is the right arm of the triangle. So over time, as we incrementally spend more time together and get to know each other better, then some of our relationships will move to the top of the triangle. And if very, and you can see at the top of the triangle, it's very small. There's not going to be that many people that we're going to be super consistent and highly committed and really present for, plus really transparent and authentic and yeah. really filtering and you know, not filtering and processing our life with. So the vast majority of the people will be down in the middle of the triangle or the bottom of the triangle. And um, and just kind of visually, you can all see different levels. And I, I do teach more specific levels in my books and stuff, but just you can at least get a a picture of when you're just meeting people, no matter how much you want to just place them at the top of the triangle, like we meet certain people and are like, oh, she's going to be my new best friend, <laughs> like has nothing to do with how much you like somebody. You don't just get to like plop them at the top of the triangle. Every relationship starts at the bottom and only as they practice these three requirements, some of them move up the triangle. And so we always want to be super mindful that where our consistency is, in other words, if we've only hung out five or six times, we're kind of low at the bottom of the triangle. So should our vulnerability only be five or six notches up that triangle. And then you want to keep them pretty consistent. I think a lot of us make the mistake of either kind of, I always like vomit our vulnerability. Like we just think, okay, if I just tell her everything and just like, you know, pull all the skeletons out of the closet and open up. And, and sometimes it's just because we're lonely. We want to do that too. Like we just don't have anyone else to talk to. So we find somebody nice and we're just like, I'm just going to tell you everything about this dramatic situation I'm going through. Sometimes we do too much vulnerability and the structure, the, the pattern of our friendship, the consistency isn't strong enough really to warrant that level of sharing. Um, and, and the flip side can be true too. Sometimes we have somebody that we've been super consistent with. We've been best friends since we were kids. We've, uh, been, we were roommates. We, you know, we're in, we're, we see each other all the time and we're not opening up. And some of us are scared to actually open up and be seen. And so in our case, we should be looking and asking, what can I do to raise my vulnerability here? How can I risk letting the this person who's proven herself over time and has been committed and has this history with me, what can I say or do to like let her in a little bit more? But our goal is ultimately if we want deep friendtimacy, the intimacy between friends at the top of the triangle, then we need to be practicing these three things uh, as consistently as we can in all of our relationships. That's so powerful. Yeah, I'm thinking about the different levels of friends, you know, some are at more at the top of the triangle and, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's rare, you know, fewer friendships are there, which makes sense in your analogy of the triangle. But yeah, definitely more in the middle of a lot of those relationships. That's very interesting. Yeah. And what happened to you, Katie, probably was, um, so when you think about like moving uh, to a new area, it's interesting because you lost the consistency that you had with several of your friends where you just ran into each other at the supermarket or your yeah. lives were set up where you had more interaction with each other. And so whenever we move, we have this choice and this recognition to kind of look at our friendships and say, so I'm moving or I'm changing jobs or I'm graduating from college or, you know, whatever the case may be where we're going to lose this consistency we've had. I'm not going to the same church anymore. You know, like whatever has been bringing us together, um, we have to kind of recognize like, wow, we're losing the consistency we've had. So our only choice at this point is to recognize, are there any relationships that I want to maintain that I'm willing to create a new structure of consistency with that person? And uh, that means reaching out. It means initiating. It means making the phone calls. It means scheduling new ways of being together. But I will say what happens with most friendships is they don't end usually because of some big grievance or some huge uh, hurt feeling or, you know, something big and bad. It's usually the lack of consistency without us actually realizing it. And so um, I hear from women all the time who uh, changed jobs, for example, or left, it, stopped going to a, a certain church. And then, you know, six months later, they'll say to me, 
well, I thought I had good friends, but you know, I left that job or I don't go to that church and like nobody's reached out to me and nobody even calls me. And I guess they were just fake friends. And like, I guess it doesn't matter. I guess I'm not important. And we get our feelings really hurt. And uh, it's always so helpful when you can actually just sit and look at the triangle and say, this has nothing to do with how much somebody loves you, how much somebody likes you, or, or even the level of relationship you had. You could have been really quite high on the triangle. It has more to do with the fact that your consistency, the way you two spent time together has disappeared. You stepped out of that consistency. You stepped out of that structure. It's no longer this automatic thing happening for you. And so your only choice in this situation is to see that for what it is and say, okay, we don't work together anymore. So I'm going to have to be really intentional to like set up a a weekly happy hour with her. Okay. We're not in school anymore. So we're not going to keep seeing each other, but we just have to promise ourselves that we're no matter where we live, we're going to fly to each other once a year and see each other. Like, okay, so we may not live near each other anymore, but we're going to maybe with these two people, I'm just going to be really committed to making phone calls on the regular so that we can stay close and keep our vulnerability up, you know? And so it gives us an invitation to just realize this is not something personal. Uh, A relationship has less to do with how much we like each other and more to do with how much we practice these three things. And so when the consistency drops out, uh, it's not every friendship has to end, but uh, we have to decide if we're willing to create the new consistency to allow that friendship to survive. Oh my gosh, this is so good. I'm just (laughs) sorry. I feel like I keep preaching and then I'm like, I know (laughs) this is so powerful. Okay. So I'm just want to ask you something, curiosity, you know, a lot about maintaining friendships, which is, which is so huge, especially when we're out of the consistent environments, like you mentioned, but what about building new friendships? I hear, and I'm sure you probably do too with a lot of people, you know, I, I reached out to them to go to dinner, but they couldn't do it. And, and they kind of give up at that point. Yes. And I, like, yeah, you spoke a lot about intentionality. So how do people build friendships and just kind of keep asking? Yep. Such a great question. So coming back to that consistency, uh, we have two choices when it comes to building a friendship uh, to build that consistency. In a nutshell, it's oversimplified, but our two choices are basically to participate or join something that is consistent. Uh, So, you know, attending the same religious organization, uh, joining a book club, joining a mom's group, uh, joining a sorority, uh, joining, going to a job, you know, whatever is already consistent in our lives. Uh, or like basically joining something that's consistent because that those ones, we don't actually have to invite those people uh, in order to get to know them better. They're just showing up, we're showing up. So a lot of our friendships happen in that space because the consistency is automatic, kind of like when we were kids in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's fabulous when it works. But then on that note, just remember, we have to eventually come back and create our own consistency or else when that one consistency that brought us together ends, like I was just giving examples of, um, the friendship often ends as well, not because the two people aren't friends, but just because they didn't build another level of consistency. So uh, so it's a great way to start a friendship. And if the friendship starts meaning enough to you that you want to actually uh, make sure that it lasts beyond the, quote, seven years, then you would want to start saying, oh, maybe I need to invite this person to start hanging out with my family or go do, do museums also or go for walks or do something else outside of that area of commonality that's bringing us together. The second and only other option is if you look at your life and you're not really... Uh, feeling like you're, um, you know, that you're building relationships where you, like if you're not a joiner or if you're not somebody who's uh, the clubs or the work or whatever like that are creating those friendships for you, the only other choice we have is to be the ones who initiate that consistency. And um, and I always say this is where, like to your point, Katie, you said it, this is where most friendships just simply never get off the ground because of the lack of consistency. We don't give enough momentum to our friendships to actually get them up and going. And I always kind of joke about like comparing it to romance relationships. If we have a great date with somebody, uh, we're not going to be like, yeah, that was so much fun. We should do that again in a couple of months. <laughs> you yeah. know, we like very, very recognize that like, let's make time for this. Let's see where it goes. Let's like, when's the next time you're available? Great. I'm in town this weekend too. Let's do something. And so we're pretty quick and willing to kind of open our schedules for that. But when it comes to like new friends, we are very lackadaisical often. And we're just kind of like, yeah, that was good. Let's do it again. And then it's like months pass or weeks or whatever. And uh, we end up kind of never getting enough consistency under us to really let us get to know each other, which is that vulnerability piece and have it feel good, which is that positivity piece. So one of the most important things we can do if you just move to a new area or you're needing to make friends is just recognize that when you initiate, you're not giving, you're not doing this 
for the other. You're not like, don't, don't turn yourself into a martyr and be like, I'm always the one that does this and I'm doing this. And uh, we end up, no, you're doing this for yourself because you know that you'll never build friendships unless you show up and do this. And I'm always like, if the other person says yes more than half the time and they yeah. end up like, you end up having a good time. You end up having the vulnerability and the positivity. You see those growing, uh, you know, follow your intuition and be like, I, this, it's up to this person to like, if we look like we're having a fun time, I'm going to keep saying, I'm going to keep initiating this for, for myself to make sure that I have the friendships that I want. And I just really encourage you, our temptation is to take that personally if they are not initiating or our temptation is to say things like the ball's in her court. I guess she doesn't really care. And we just, we're turning it into like this test that it doesn't have to be a test. It usually does not mean at all what we're afraid it means. Uh, most people just simply don't recognize how important consistency is to a friendship and they're not going through their life with that level of awareness. But we are, we're now aware. <laughs> So you are now, you are now yeah. initiated in the club of the ones who know. And so I invite you to be the people who help initiate and help give that gift of time to the relationships in your life. Quick interruption to let you know that I have a ton of freebies over at katiebulmer.life. I have a free dating plan. This is wildly one of my most popular freebies. It helps you decide what is important when it comes to dating. I also have a free guide if you are a leader in your sorority. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, like how do you lead well and also have a life? I made you a free guide on how to best serve, delegate, and lead your sorority sisters. Also, I give my book away free there, a digital download on my website. It's all there. The easiest ways to get there are, like I said, katiebulmer.life, or if you find me on Instagram, also at katiebulmerlife, the link is right there to all of the goodness. And hey, while you're there, there's also some really cute Comfort Colors t-shirts for sale. Just saying. So take advantage of those freebies. I made them for you with you in mind. The girls who have already used them have given me great feedback, and I want to share them with you as well. So Check it out, katiebulmer.life or katiebulmerlife on Instagram. Oh my gosh. I'm like seriously writing down notes to the things we want to highlight for social media. And I have like, and we want to highlight the whole thing. We just want to highlight the whole thing. Everyone has to listen to this episode. It's so important. Most of us have never been taught this and it's, we're dying. We're literally dying from loneliness. And yeah, it's so, so, so important. Um, well, I have to tell you in a way that you inspired me is when, and, you know, again, first moving here, just kind of getting a crash course on meeting new friends, but we have some friends who literally live within walking distance from us. They have daughters, our girl's age, like the perfect recipe for a great friendship, but they have lived here their whole life. So they just had stuff to do. Every time I asked her to hang out, they had a birthday party or a baby shower or whatever it is. And we didn't have a social life yet. So like it was probably, I'm not joking, five times. And the former Katie would have given up a million times before. But I'm like, I wasn't getting the vibe that she didn't want to be my friend. I yes, wasn't getting yes. the vibe. You know, she just, I just knew that she was genuinely busy. Yep. And I'm so thankful that I heard your teaching because I was consistent or persistent, I should say. And now we end up working to get, working out together two days a week and our daughters are best of friends. And, and just, yeah. Like it That's ended up awesome. working out to be a great relationship and the That's former so would have been like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Tell no, that's a, it's a great example. I, and I often like, I think about clicks. I get a lot of people worrying like they move somewhere or go to a new church or in school or something. And they'll just be like, I feel like everybody's in a click. And I'm always quick to differentiate, you know, like, is it a click? Like when you say that word, it obviously implies that we feel like left out, like we're not included mm -hmm. and we want to belong, which I so get. And are these people actually excluding you? Like this, this friend of yours, like, is she saying no? Is she like saying you can't come? Like, usually it's not that. It's usually just if we could actually look at the triangle, we can understand that in most people's cases, when we move to a new area, they have people higher up the triangle. And that does not mean they don't like us. It just simply means that their go-to people, uh, they are, are the people they're being consistent with and have kind of been close with already are people who are, you know, they, they, they I, we can understand that they're closer to other people. And that doesn't mean they don't like us or wouldn't like us. It just simply means they're higher up the triangle with a few other people. And it's our invitation to start saying, okay, I just need to keep being consistent keep sharing myself, keep getting to know them and keep making them feel good when I'm around them, like help bring joy. And if I do these three things, it's a guarantee that we will end up bonding. Like it's just, we can put strangers in a room and if we can have them both feeling good and affirmed with 
each other and seeing each other regularly and getting to know each other, it will work. So it's a big encouragement to what you were just saying that simply being able to just see it as not something to take personally, but just something that says, I just need to keep being consistent. And as I continue to be consistent, I will be more and more front of mind for them to reach out to eventually and to start having other ways of interacting. But right now, uh, yeah, I can give that gift to the friendship so that I have the chance of having better friends, which is so important. That's a good illustration. Yeah, you heard it, guys. A guarantee for friendships right there. <laughs> Those three things. That's so powerful. Um, okay, so I'm curious in our world of social media and in your research and all the things, how has friendships changed over the years? Yeah, that's a very big loaded question. <laughs> and it's hard to know how much of it is just social media and how much of it is just a, a very busy world that we, you know, like most of our younger generations now have been raised where they were super busy. They have less downtime. There's less. I mean, there's so many factors contributing to this. Um I will say that if people can show up on social media doing these three things, uh, it does still bond us. Uh, I do feel closer to my friends who are posting on social media, who are being encouraging and affirming and giving thumbs up and commenting. And, you know, we, as long as we practice these three things, uh, it does continue to build relationships and social media can enhance and contribute to um, our relationships. I think the bigger question is, so when we look at the people who, when we look at loneliness uh, and correlate it with social media, the, some of it, it's, it's divided. I mean, I think there's some studies that kind of show each, but in most cases, some of our loneliest people have really high social media use and some of our most connected people have really high social media use. Um, And so I do think we would want to step back and say, is this social media leading me to feel less lonely. And if it's, you know, like for me, if I'm on there and I'm seeing friends and I'm using it as an opportunity to, to keep connecting with friends that I wouldn't otherwise be connecting with or to add to what I know about them, um, and to be able to engage with them, then it can be adding to that. But if I'm lonely for local friends, for example, then spending two hours on Facebook or Instagram one night isn't necessarily getting me any closer to feeling like I'm building local friends. So um, in that case, I would have been better off going on, uh, go joining a little club or inviting somebody out for an awkward, <laughs> an awkward one-on-one or, you know, I, and I say yeah. awkward, just like expect it and don't judge it as like, wow, this isn't as comfortable and easy as it is with my best friend because we're at the bottom of the triangle. So that's expected. But that gets me, that gets me, those two hours spent with somebody new gets me closer to building local friends than spending two hours at home um, on Facebook or on Instagram or somewhere else. So I think the bigger question uh, that I would kind of redirect us to is just when you look at your loneliness uh, and that loneliness, let me just define it. Loneliness is simply your body's message to you that you have more capacity to be more connected in your life. So something in you has more, wants to love more, wants to show up more, wants to be more connected. And that's a really, really beautiful message to receive. So it's a little bit like hunger, uh, where the goal is to not ever feel hunger or ever, ever feel tired. It's not to never feel lonely. Um, the goal is that when we feel tired, we are more quickly willing to go to sleep. When we feel hungry, we're more willing to like, it's time to eat. And when we feel lonely, we recognize that as like, wow, I need to find, I need to be connected in some way that I'm not being connected right now. So it's not anything to feel ashamed about. It means your body's working. It's simply your body's way of saying, hey, I have room for a little bit more of feeling seen in a safe and satisfying way with somebody else right now. And being curious, is that with somebody local? Do I need to call a friend from that knows me and be more consistent with somebody from another place? Like, what is that loneliness? And start exploring that. And and, uh, and often social media probably isn't the answer to uh, that. Um, and that's the bigger issue to me is just whether we are, um, whether we're actually like craving nourishment and then eating Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. So it can be fun and it's not bad and it can add to a lot and it helps a lot of people build better friendships. And I guess I'm sounding a little repetitive here, but, and if you're hungry for building memories, for going deep, for feeling really seen, for feeling like you've got a group of friends that you can rely on and that they're there to support you, um, then make sure that you're not using all your energy, your social energy on the things that aren't necessarily leading to that outcome for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so good. So I love that, you know, we, we all have this desire in us to, to connect and have true friendships. It's just like, 
you know, part of our, the, our wiring and how we're made, which is so cool. Um, I remember you saying something and I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I like the doctors have done studies, you know, something about loneliness and affecting our health. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Well, there's I'm so sure. many. <laughs> is there one in particular? Yeah, I think so said something like if someone comes into their office and they're overweight and they smoke and they say they're lonely, the number one thing to fix is yeah. loneliness. Is yes, right? yes, 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 yes. I, that one doctor was, say, yeah. uh, was quoted saying that. And there's so many more doctors getting on board with this now, which is so, so encouraging. Yeah. Another doctor, Dr. Vivek Murthy, is uh, a former U.S. Surgeon General. He went on record saying, um, you know, more than all the patients coming in for heart disease and diabetes, which are like the number one and three for leading causes of death, I think. Yeah. Uh, he said more than that are patients coming in suffering from loneliness. And we're seeing um, and, and we're seeing more and more doctors and healthcare systems starting to ask about this because the science is showing it to be so, so foundational to our health. Um, if we feel lonely and we ignore it or we try to pretend it doesn't really matter or we kind of just try to, um, you know, to stay on social media rather than get the need met or whatever we do. If we just sit there and say, well, the ball's in their court and we just like sit in our house and wait for everyone else to do it for us. Um, whatever we do to ignore it, uh, if we do ignore it, it's as damaging to our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's twice oh as harmful goodness. as being obese and it has does the equivalent damage on the body, like true damage on the body as being a lifelong alcoholic. And so we have many, many doctors and studies now starting to show us that um, that this matters more than our genetics. This matters more than our more than what we eat, more than whether we exercise. Like when you look at all the different factors for health, this is at the bottom of all of it, scoring in many studies as being uh, way more significant. Because if we don't feel supported, if we're going through a life not feeling connected and supported, we have our bodies kind of in a constant mode of stress and like kind of defense mechanism a tiny bit. And we're kind of like not feeling safe and supported where we can just kind of like like let down and relax and, and be seen and be loved. And so, yeah, doctors are showing that how you answer the question, how loved and supported do you feel right now, tells us more about your health 20 years out than pretty much any other question we can ask you. Oh my goodness, y'all. <laughs> no, it's huge. Matter. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I'm all for I'm all for eating well and uh, exercise, but there was one study that showed uh, they took the people who had healthy lifestyle habits and uh, versus those who didn't, and then those who felt connected versus those who didn't. And it won't surprise any of us that those who had healthy lifestyle habits and felt connected uh, lived the longest and, and had le less issues and dis situations with disease and hospitalization. But the second highest healthy group was those who had unhealthy lifestyle habits and felt connected. Um, they did far better than the cup than the than the, than those who had healthy lifestyle habits and felt disconnected. So, um, yeah, this is this is no. Joke. Joke. And we, I think it's taken us so long to study this because we just for so long as a culture were more connected maybe and uh, didn't catch us, catch this soon enough, I think, in terms of research and really understanding the significance until we all started kind of fraying and you see this huge spike in our cancer and in our diseases and um, all this stuff. Now we have what we call a loneliness epidemic and at the, it's, it's, it's leading into so many health issues and mental health issues. So this is, this is massive. Our bodies are designed and wired to live together and to be connected. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is so good. So <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't even know if I want to ask this next question. We talked about building healthy friendships and like, you know, getting new friendships as well. But I'm just curious, which, how do we know when a friendship is worth fighting for and when, when one is worth letting go? Oh, it's a great question. So as I was saying earlier, we uh, every relationship starts at the bottom of the triangle. And as we practice the three requirements of relationship, uh, vulnerability, consistency, and positivity, we move some of those relationships up. Uh, in my opinion, the relationships that are the most worth, quote, fighting for are the ones who are higher up the triangle. So the more I have practiced those three things with you, the more I'm willing to go to great, great, great lengths to protect that 
that investment. And so, um, and we warrant it. So at the top of the triangle, I can't claim that we are best friends if I'm not truly willing to be vulnerable with you, which means sharing with you if you hurt your feelings or apologizing to you if I hurt yours or sharing with you, uh, you know, what I feel in these moments and being able to honestly share and, and, and open up with each other. Um, so a lot of us want to be at the top of the triangle, but we just want it to automatically happen and be easy and like us never have any hurt feelings. And that's not a normal, healthy expectation. Um, we feel closest when you think about a family or dating or being married. Um, any of us who have been in those situations can say, uh, we don't feel close to those people because they've never let us down or we've never fought with them. We feel closest to them because we have fought and been disappointed and made it through those things. And, um, you know, my husband and I, it's, it's like any, any relationship we say, oh, we've been through it. We know we can make it through anything. Like you feel yeah. more, the relationship feels safer because you have g- gone through hard things together and, and, and loved each other well and been positive, you know, ended up with more positive than negative at the end result of that. And yet so often with our friendships, the second it gets uh, like, I don't do drama or whatever, as soon as she's unhealthy or does something bad, we kind of label it toxic and we just think she's a bad friend and we're very quick to let people go. Um, when in fact, that relationship could be in deeper and go higher up the triangle if we were willing to show up and to say, and to do what we do in our romantic relationships. Like when you do this, it doesn't work for me. I feel this way and I need this. And what do you need? And and how can we make it through this? And how can we navigate this together so that we show up and support each other better? And so... Um, yeah, the quick answer is the higher up the triangle we've developed, the more I'm willing to kind of show up and, and have those conversations and change my behaviors and try to show up in ways that matter to the other person. Um, and obviously, I you know, the lower levels of the triangle, if you, if the positivity falls out, it's uh, going to fall out and you may or may not always have the energy to, uh, to turn that around. But the, the more, the more investment we've made, the higher up the triangle, in my opinion, it calls for uh, the risk and the uh, invitation to every single one of us to kind of build and practice our muscles of forgiveness and of honesty and of compassion and of empathy. And, um, and on the best of cases, we end up being closer to them on the other end. The worst cases, We've ended up practicing and building up those muscles and we will be better in other relationships because of it. And we will know that we did our very best and showed up with integrity uh, with that person and hopefully had healthy closure and were able to, to do what we needed to do there in that case. And I'll just add this one other thing that as we move relationships up the triangle, we can also move people down the triangle. So um, it doesn't mean it helps remind us that just as friendship isn't all or nothing, that we just become best friends. It's We realize that there's a developing process process to this best friendship, this healthy friendship. So can there be a moving of somebody down the triangle? If somebody breaks my trust, uh, it doesn't mean I have to break up with them necessarily. It just simply means, okay, so this is not somebody who I'm going to keep being high vulnerable with uh, on the top of my triangle. But that doesn't mean I can't still be at the children's birthday party with her. And I, it's not that not, I still trust her with my kids, or I still trust her to, to not scream at me in a crowd. I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things we yeah. still trust each other to do. So maybe she can be like halfway down my triangle so that when, when the neighborhood gets together, we can still be friendly. But I just recognize in myself, I change my expectations to not expect her to act like somebody that I can trust at the top of the triangle. So it allows us, when we talk about the levels earlier, it's not just that there's levels moving up, there's also levels moving down. And sometimes we don't have to end a friendship as much as we just need to move it, move it a level down and change our expectations of it. This is so good. You kind of blew my mind in a good way talking about how, you know, when you fight and come out the other side, yeah, like my husband and I, we've certainly been through our fair share of fights, but I feel stronger now because of that. But yeah, I haven't, I can't thought about that. Like with a friendship, it's okay to fight, you know, it's okay to like work through hard things, obviously with respect. And obviously there's, there's lines there, but we shouldn't just discount a friendship because we disagree on something. Like we can come out the other side stronger for sure. Absolutely. In fact, if you look at any relationship model, um, like one of my favorites is, um, one where they call it, well, all, all like most relationship models have like four stages of relationships. And the first stage is always like honeymoon phase or, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, or pseudo community is one of my, one of my favorite authors says. Um, and that's where we're all just like polite and kind and cheerful and where's girls night and we're fun and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a second stage of relationship depth, which is, you know, sometimes it's called chaos. Sometimes it's called disillusionment. Sometimes it's called storming. And so there's this stage where like, oh, you're not as fun as I thought you were. Oh, you're kind of annoying. <laughs> 
annoying. Oh, you're like, never call me and you don't reach out. And like, you know, there's that stage. And then what's so interesting is in that second stage, we often think at that time, oh, this isn't as fun. And we always think we want to go back to stage one where we were all polite and kind and friendly. And really what we want is stage three, which means moving through and it usually involves conversations. It includes honesty. It includes a letting go of you needing to be how I want you to be. Um, It has a lot more acceptance, a lot more surrender, a lot more showing up and and being honest with what we each need. But stage three, then it's kind of like that negotiating stage, that ability to kind of like let go and hold the space for something new to develop. And it's not until stage four that we end up having what we call true community and and that intimacy and the depth. And so, yeah, you don't have to go through that with everybody. (laughs) But if you're somebody who wants deep friendship and you want friend intimacy, it is important to note, you don't get that simply by always enjoying everybody, each each other all the time and never having conversations about the relationship or disappointing each other or, you know, or growing and letting each other be who they need to be and like figuring out what, what, how we need to shift and change for each other along the years. So, so we do have to be willing to go through that disappointment and that honesty with some people if what you want is uh, deep intimacy on the other side. It's absolutely, the goal should not be just to going back to fun and polite when yeah. really what we want is, is yeah, what you have with your husband, you know, the ability to like say, yeah, we know each other even better now because we went through that. I know better yeah. what I do that hurts him or how he takes it when I say this or um, what he needs from me in those kinds of moments, you know, and, and we need that with our friends in huge, huge, huge ways. Oh, this is so good. Okay. So, you know, this is called truth for your twenties and we have a lot of young listeners. And with that, a lot of friends will help each other through relationships or perhaps be the warning sign when they see their friends in a bad relationship. So this is such a thin ice type of Mm -hmm. topic. And I feel like you're the perfect person to help us navigate it. So I guess first maybe speak to, say you have a friend who is in a toxic relationship, how to best tell her that. And then maybe if you are the friend in that toxic relationship, how to best hear from your friend, what you may not want to hear, but you need to hear. And that's a totally loaded question, by the way. (laughs) It is so hard. Yeah. yeah, I think the most important thing we can do is ask questions. Honestly, it's probably the safest way in. If they're not asking, if the person in the unhealthy relationship isn't asking us for our opinion or our advice, Um, the best thing we can do as a good friend is probably ask questions to them. Like, so tell me what it is that you, um, what does he do that lights you up? Like, help me, help me see how, what, you know, what he does that feeds you. And like, uh, I want to know how he loves you. Well, like I see a little bit when your guys are together, but tell me what you see on him. Um, and yeah, are there any things that you wish you could change, you know, or how, what's, what's been an area where you guys are, are, are having any friction, you know, and just being able to kind of ask questions and being a safe person for them to be as open and honest as possible. So remember the triangle, the triangle is positivity, which in this case, positivity uh, usually falls out in most relationships when we start giving advice mm-hmm. that's unsolicited. Uh, so positivity means when they sh- when they're vulnerable and they share. So if they start sharing that, yeah, well, I mean, I don't really like it when he. Like sometimes I feel like he gets mad when if I go out with my friends or whatever it is that she says. The most important thing when we look at consistency, vulnerability, and positivity is after somebody's vulnerability vulnerable, the very next thing we have to do is say, what can I do to add, help her feel accepted? Like that's the feeling of positivity. And so it's usually like, oh yeah, I would feel that way too. It's like empathy or it's like, uh, well, that makes sense. Like, yeah, because it makes you probably not feel like you're trusted, right? Yeah. So that's validation or like, so what do you do in those situations? You know, that's curiosity. And so our most important thing is to ask questions and then re- respond in some way that leaves her feeling safer and more satisfied with our conversation. So we have to kind of surrender. This isn't about me telling you my assessment as much as me being a good friend and being a safe sounding board where you feel like you can continue to process this and figure it out. And it's showing that I trust you to figure this out. And I trust you that you'll figure it out better the more you feel accepted and the more you feel safe and the more that you feel like I am committed to you. And so, um, you know, so the most important 
thing we can do is keep trying to figure that out. And that can be so hard. Um, if we obviously feel like someone's in danger, I think it's, um, you know, obviously we're talking a, a spectrum here of when we talk about an unhealthy relationship. Um, you know, certainly there's places and times for us to say, would you, do you want to see, do you, are you interested in like what I notice and observe? Um, and, you know, kind of trying to go in that way and just be like, yeah, sometimes, I mean, I just notice that when you're with him, you, um, sometimes I just don't, I just don't feel like you laugh as much. Does it feel that way to you? You know, so trying to get, so so trying to get us quickly back to like a question, you know, like this isn't our time to just vomit our feelings as much as it's, you know, sometimes I feel like when you're with him, you just, um, you don't look as you look. You don't look as comfortable. Like sometimes I feel like you're just a different. I mean, I get to see a different side of you than I feel like he gets to see, or at least I see that you see, he sees. Like, do you feel like he gets to see this side of you, you know, or do you feel pressure to be a certain way? And so, anything we can do to make an observation that doesn't offend or insult necessarily um, her or the person she's with, but just kind of getting back to an observation with a question: Do you see? Does it feel that way to you? Do you see that? And so, the more we can just kind of keep being safe accepting and asking questions. Those are the three ways we can practice um, vulnerability, consistency, and, and positivity. Oh my goodness. That is so good. That's the it's best. It's hard though. <laughs> yeah, but that's the best explanation I've ever heard. Like you, that is really helpful. Oh, because good. It's true. Like you can't, you know, do you do this, this, and this? That's just going to shut that door. But yeah. just asking those questions, that yeah. is so good. Yeah, because none of us want to feel judged. You know, none of us, sure. not a single one of us wants to feel like, uh, and, and the last thing we want to do is put them in a place where they have to defend that person. Like, mm-hmm. then their head is just defending the very thing we don't think is healthy for them. So, like, don't let your desire to just share your feelings get you the exact opposite result you actually think you're going for. Like what you want is for her to feel safer and being able to process this. What you don't want is her defending this relationship. So, so ask questions and don't uh, put her in a place where she has to decide between the two of you, where she feels like she has to sell him to you, her to you, how, you know, but yeah, it's very yeah. important that we keep them feeling loved. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Okay. So People are going to want to know all the things that you have to offer. Um, you mentioned your friend to Missy quiz. We'll definitely link that. But what other resources, things that girls should, can check out to know more about friend to Missy? Yeah, the books, the books are probably a good for like the in-depth. I also have a ton of videos on YouTube if that's helpful to anybody and they prefer digesting information in that way. Um, and then I post pretty regularly on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm constantly posting different studies and that sort of a thing there. Um, and then I come speak at churches and schools and organizations if that's ever of interest to anybody. But um, yeah, I think that, I mean, if you want to be on my uh, mailing list, you're welcome to sign up at shastanelson.com. And I do two international trips a year for women. We're going to Israel in June and then Thailand next, uh, next, next winter. And so if you ever want to travel with a group of women, if you want to come to be on the list for retreats, um, I do a bunch of different things all the time. So that would just be the the, the mailing list. And I should mention Girlfriend Circles. There's an online community that's free for women um, all around the country. If you're looking to make new friends, it's a supportive place for women to come and cheer for each other and maybe meet somebody who lives in your area who's also open to making new friends. I love that. Well, a lot of sorority women listen to this, so I think that they need to book you for their next sisterhood event. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, I love, love, love the um, the the idea of a sorority where women are coming together and supporting each other. Yeah. And I think it's always so powerful if they could look at what they're doing through the lens of the triangle. You know, like what are we doing to lift each other up? What are we doing to really be safe for each other? What are we doing to get to know each other better? So yeah, anything we can do to help create healthy community where we're already starting to gather is such an important thing to do. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Okay. In closing, I like to ask my guest, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Mm. <laughs> good question. I, oh, okay. So if I stuck on the realm of friendships, um, I would, I, one of the things I used to believe that I don't anymore, but I wish I had told my 20 year old self to never believe this. I used to believe that I had to um, like dim my light in order to be liked. Like I, I used to think that I couldn't shine too brightly or, or take up space or be proud or, um, you know, whatever it is that whoever we each are and that we're trying to be in this world. I, I think I absorbed a belief somewhere when I was younger that I needed to downplay things or, um, 
yeah, just make sure that I didn't make anybody ever feel bad or anything like that. And I think it's, we do such a disservice to each other. Um, instead in my, in my thirties, I was like, I am committed to building friendships where we cheer for each other, where we could feel like we can feel like we can succeed and not feel worried at all about our friends not being there for us or being jealous or anything. And so I was really committed to like, I am going to be one of those people who cheers for my friends, who asks them what they're proud of, who celebrates their successes, who makes it a safe, safe place for them to shine, for them to be amazing moms, amazing career people, amazing spouses. I'm going to ask them what's going right in your relationship. What are you loving about your life these days? And I just really turned into placing a lot of focus on letting us do well and celebrating that in it with each other without feeling like we have to complain in order to connect or, um, yeah, or just downplay in order to be relatable. And so I, I want us as women to have relationships where we, where we truly feel like we can hurt and grieve, but where we also feel like we can succeed and be amazing and have successes and have great relationships and great families and, you know, have those moments too, where we can be proud of each other. So I wish I could have told my 20 year old self that, um, yeah, you can be who you are and just make sure you build the relationships that, uh, that you are giving to others, what you want them to give to you. Oh my gosh. That was a million dollar answer. I love it. I love oh, it. good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I probably could have just put my hand in a bucket and come up with anything. Like there's so many things there, right? But that's a good question you ask. Yeah. Everyone. Be a great friend and you get great friends. Basically. That's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. Okay. So just to recap, how can people find you on the online world? Uh, ShastaNelson.com is my website. And from there, you can get to almost everything. But on social media, it's Shasta M for Shasta Michelle Nelson. So I'm mostly a Shasta M Nelson on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Oh my gosh, Shasta, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. I'm you are quite so confident you're going to love this episode. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for doing it. Hey, if you made it to the end of this podcast, that means we spent like 30 or 45 minutes together. That basically means we're best friends and best friends need to help each other out. So sister, I would love if you take a screenshot of this episode, put it out there on social media and tag me at Katie Bulmer life, because I would love to thank you, give you a virtual hug and make this friendship official. You sharing it with your friends are the reason this podcast is growing. You are the people who are helping it. And I'm so freaking thankful for you. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I hope that you gain some truth for your 20s. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and our work here is done. <laughs>